Hi everyone, today I'm meeting with Anap Derebai. Anap is IBM's global insurance industry CTO within IBM's global business service unit. Anap is a distinguished engineer within with over 20 years of experience. Anap's future, Anap's focus has always been on delivering impactful business outcome by reimagining the user experience. Today, Anaps provide trusted advice to influence revenue growth for IBM's customers by considering architectural leadership to transform clients' business through technology. Today, we'll be covering three points. The future of insurance and implication on operation, how technology becomes a key enabler of growth, and how can insurers simplify operation to build resilience within their business models. Hi everyone, today I'm meeting with Anap Derebral, IBM Global Insurance Industry CTO within the IBM Global Business Services Unit and Distinguished Engineer at IBM with over 20 years experience within IBM. The focus of today's conversation will be around looking at how can we improve the insurance experience, looking at how we can simplify operation with advanced technologies. I'm very excited to be with Anap today because Anap also provides trusted advice to a lot of the IBM customers, and he has done that for a very long time. He has helped a lot of his customers generate increased revenues by understanding better how to design architectural environments and improve the way they are putting technology together to grow their business. So welcome, Anap, and thank you to be, for being with us today. Thank you, Sabine. I'm very glad to be here and have the conversation with you. So please tell us, where do you see the future of insurance, Anab? Um, that's an interesting place to start, Sabine. Um, so I think, uh, you know, from my perspective, there's a lot of market forces that are disrupting traditional insurance models today. You know, the first uh, you can think of, uh, uh, you know, the dimension that one can think of is around customer expectations. You know, customers are increasingly looking towards an Amazon-like experience or an Uber-like experience, you know, when it comes to dealing with their insurance. So, and what does that mean? That means the implications for insurers include creating some sort of personalized offerings via a variety of consistent digital channels uh, providing high levels of service and responsiveness. There's also uncertain economics, right? Uh, if you look at the market today, uh, from an uh, interest rate perspective, it has yielded poor investment returns. And so, you know, the prediction on long-term returns was, has been difficult. So insurers have uh, been considering new product innovations, you know, to offset that. There's also this notion of new entrants and new business models that are entering the market. You know, competitors like Lemonade and Roop, for example, are introducing innovations using AI you know, to look at underwriting and claims. Uh, you know, what used to be traditionally 
you know, very much in the domain of insur insurers. You know, uh, you, uh, you know, when you go you used to go buy a new car, you used to go to have go apply insurance from an insurance company. But if you look at you know the high-end automobiles today, for example, BMW, um, you know, the Tesla, uh, Volkswagen, etc. The offer of insurance comes integral with the car when you purchase in certain geographies today. So you know there is portions of that value chain that are starting to be, uh, uh, you know, consumed by other entrants, whether they are new entrants or incumbents from other adjacent spaces. And also, you know, the Amazons and the Googles of the world are experimenting with, uh, uh, you know, capturing the customer experience, you know, through things like rate codes, uh, you know, putting a front end, uh, you know, uh, Amazon, for example, has entered the insurance market in India. Um, so, you know, all of these are having a huge impact in terms of how insurers need to adapt and respond. And from my perspective, the response has to be one that is heavily driven by technology. As we go further into the conversation, I think we'll find that, uh, you know, insurers that are making effective use of technology and using it to gain a business advantage in the market the exploitation of data and exploitation of new technologies stand to win out in the market. Anab, you already mentioned some of the major challenger, Lemonade, Root, we can add more like Ipo, for instance, to the list. So when you look at those challenger, how can the traditional insurer deal with those and manage the challenges they have to face every single day? Um, uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think there is one key advantage. Uh, well, there actually, I can think of two key advantages that incumbent insurers have over these sort of new entrants within the market. Certainly, the new entrants are entering and creating new business models, uh, uh, new new ways of attracting or uh, approaching customers. Uh, but I think where Incumbent insurers have the advantages. One, they have a huge customer base. You know, um, I always say that uh, keeping a customer is uh, six times as much easier uh, than acquiring a new customer. The second is they, uh, by virtue of having been in business for such a long time, uh, they are sitting on tons and tons of data. Uh, uh, you know, they have knowledge of customer transactions customer interactions. Uh, and so, you know, they, that serves as a rich basis with which they can develop a better customer understanding in order to serve, understand the needs of their customer better and serve their customer better. This is something that incumbent insurers, you know, definitely have an advantage. There is a issue that is uh, sitting in the middle though, in that while the data you know, there's tremendous volumes of data that is available to these incumbent insurers. Uh, uh, less than 10% of the insurers have actually been able to reap what we call as the data dividend, right? Effectively use the data in order to achieve competitive advantage. And that's because of a lot of foundational issues in terms of how to access the data, uh, how, you know, the data is... Uh, uh, siloed, uh, you know, or lives in different silos, you know, perhaps within each lines of business. 
or perhaps within different infrastructures as insurers have grown, you know, at multiple, either at multiple data centers or, you know, in multiple cloud centers, uh, or as they acquire new uh, SaaS capabilities, you know, they're creating new islands of data all over the place. Uh, you know, being able to effectively integrate that data and get a nice unified customer 360 or a customer 720 view and being able to predict the needs of the customer and respond with the right kind of products that are of interest to their customer is where I think, uh, you know, the incumbent insurers can meet the challenge head on. One point you made, which I think is very important for us to dive into, is you already touched upon uh, corporate versus venture, where a corporate has a lot of capabilities. You know, they have willingness often to invest global infrastructure, they have access to customer, they have brand reputation. And when they, you look at the venture like of a Lemonade and an Ipo and a Root, those guys came to market and build amazing <clears throat> ventures and they bring the disruptive ideas, the latest technology. They actually um, also get access to extended network because they look at their business model in a very unique way and they have this entrepreneurial mindset. So when you look at the insurance company business model, how can we help insurers adapt and improve their operation and their core processes? Anna. Um. So I can think of uh, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, two or three areas where, uh, you know, uh, we can uh, really help insurers. Uh, the, the first one, uh, you know, insurers really need to reinvent their risk, uh, uh, how they think about risk and, the, uh, you know, what sort of a relationship that they want to their customers, right? So reinventing that risk partnership Right, helping insurers build new risk experiences that offer personalized advice, uh, uh, you know, and demonstrate a true risk partnership between the insurer and their customer. Being able to harness the data, the big data that we are talking about, non-discrete data from, uh, as well as data coming in from new sources. Uh, uh, and that's done by taking a fresh look at historically operating, you know, processes within the enterprise, you know, processes, uh, critical processes such as underwriting and claims, but also, uh, you know, all of the supporting processes like billing or, uh, uh, you know, customer um, uh, customer support policy, and, uh, uh, policy maintenance, et cetera. Uh, you know, just by um, paying attention uh, to driving intelligence into this into those processes using data, we've been able to, for example, uh, you know, uh, uh, reduce 15% of uh, customer churn, you know, when we can, we're able to deploy a churn detection model uh, and, uh, uh, you know, determine that an employee, uh, you know, a, a customer is at a risk for, uh, you know, leaving the, leaving the uh, relationship, right? Um, so that's uh, so reinventing the risk partnership, uh, you know, helping insurers reinvent that risk partnership and be a true par partner to their customer, but through you know effective use of data, intelligent workflows, and automation. I think that's one area where we can help. The second area that I think we can help is to help them drive, you know, a step change in their core productivity. 
So if we look at the IT landscape of an average incumbent insurer, uh, I think about 50 to 60% of their cost goes in maintenance of legacy IT systems. Um, uh, you know, uh, so modernizing the core uh, by consolidating, you know, the average insurer has multiple core systems in place uh, and that are not effectively integrated with each other. And quite often insurance company personnel are left playing, you know, uh, what I call is the game of spiral chairs, you know, taking data from one system, entering it in another system, et cetera. So modernizing the core, consolidating it, encapsulating and decommissioning, uh, moving, you know, to as a service type of model, right? Uh, and then looking at developing new applications based on cloud-driven, uh, uh, you know, using cloud-native, uh, uh, you know, technologies such as, uh, you know, microservices, APIs, uh, you know, uh, core, uh, strong core models, et cetera, and then automating, uh, you know, and providing uh, the right sort of insight to humans when they have to actually operate within that, uh, uh, you know, span of any given, pro uh, you know, core process by providing them as much data, uh, you know, data as well as insight, uh, you know, from the data in order to assist automated decision-making or at least assisted decision-making. That's the second area where I think we can help. And then the third area is helping them future-proof themselves. You know, I talked about the fact that, you know, about 50 to 60% of the cost is taken up by legacy, you know, in terms of legacy IT. So anytime you want to modernize the, uh, you know, architecture, um, looking at future-proofing yourself and not being tied down to a, you know single single sort of uh, vendor lock-in, so to speak, I think is important. And I I believe that uh, you know while cloud native is the destination, hybrid cloud architecture and the you know providing the roadmap for insurers to be able to get to that uh, um, uh, you know uh, ultimate landscape through using effective use of technologies like containerization, orchestration, automation, uh, et cetera, uh, and then providing the ability to manage that, you know, uh, in an intelligent manner, right? So we're not talking just about putting intelligence into processes, but also putting intelligence into management of that infrastructure that you are putting in place so that, you know, you can efficiently recover from errors when IT errors occur, they have an implication, you know, back in your underwriting or your claims process, being able to detect that, proactively react to that. I think those are the areas, uh, three areas where I think we can help insurers best. Thank you. So you, you covered a topic I, co uh, I covered recently with um, Mark McLaughlin around risk and risk experiences. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from you, Anap, is that we are moving into a new world where we need to understand how to deal with the customer and deal with new risk experiences. But at the same time, we are dealing with costly legacy environment, which is taking 50 to 60% of our cost. So what are the things which we can do? What are the enablers of growth? What are the type of technology we can start considering 
to start modernizing to serve the customer better? Yeah, without question, it starts. I, I think the way I'd like to answer the question is uh, you can address it at multiple levels within the organization. Let's start with the basics, which is the infrastructure, right? Uh, at the infrastructure level, what I see is a lot of incumbent insurers still operating, uh, uh, you know, uh, legacy IT systems running on legacy infrastructure. Uh, the immediate opportunity there is to, uh, you know, migrate uh, migrate those on uh, to a cloud cloud based platform. Migrating to a cloud based platform obviously brings with it, you know, inherent benefits like, uh, uh, you know, flexibility in terms of being able to scale up or scale down in a response to demand. But at the same time, it introduces the ability to uh, uh, be flexible, uh, right, in response to, uh, you know, market needs. So at the infrastructure level, the answer to my, uh, to that is basically cloud. Um, uh, you know, but the journey to cloud is something that takes time, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and uh, so, you know, immediate benefits can be gotten by looking at a hybrid cloud-based approach, right? Where we can take advantage of cloud-based services, but access them from wherever wherever you are. Right? So that's point one. Point two, if you look above the infrastructure layer, uh, you know, you have your systems that operate, those systems run business processes. Um, so, Introducing and if you look at the those business processes and the systems that have been in place, a, the typical uh, you know underwriting or claims process tends to have heavy human involvement today, right? So uh, and it requires a large number of steps in order to uh, uh, you know make decisions whenever you hit a decision uh, decision point. I think the scope for there is to effectively use that mountain of data that I referred to earlier that insurers are sitting on, sitting upon, be able to present right data to the right decision makers at the right time. And I'm not talking just about raw data, but I'm talking about insights that are derived from the raw data, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so we can think about introducing intelligent claims or intelligent underwriting where you can try to improve straight through processing of a majority of, uh, you know, the um, incoming uh, uh, cases, if you will, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, you know, come, into a, uh, come into an insurance uh, business process. Uh, by efficiently being able to utilize data-driven insights, one can categorize, you know, a incoming case to figure out, you know, if it is something that can be routed automatically through the process, or if it is something that is an exception that does indeed require human attention. Simple example of this is, uh, you know, insurance processes tend to be heavily document-driven, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, people file claims, people submit evidence, Etc. And today there is a lot of human involvement in processing those documents, extracting the information out of those documents, and then being a, uh, being able to drive what is effectively an automated process. If we can 
somehow uh, automate the intelligent extraction of information out of the data that is coming in from those documents, regardless of where the documents are coming in from, whether it's fax, whether it's email, whether it's a spreadsheet, uh, whether it's an image that has been transmitted, whether it's a form that has been submitted electronically, right? Um, if we can run that through a processing pipeline and be able to extract that information, pipe that through automatically, right? So that's so the uh, uh, you know heavy application of AI and uh, automation. I think are the uh, two other areas uh, you know that uh, one can think of. Um, Beyond that, uh, you know, there's a whole slew of other technologies, uh, right? I mean, we talked about uh, um, um, uh, you know um, blockchain, for example. Uh, uh, you know, for insurers to efficiently act upon data, uh, you know, uh, they need data not only from within the enterprise, but also, you know, external sources of data, right? I'll give you an example. Um, so uh, we did some work with an insurer about a couple of, uh, within the last 18 months. It was looking at the entire agricultural supply chain, uh, you know, from farm to table, right? If you look at that ecosystem, and ensuring different aspects of that ecosystem, all the way from ensuring crop yields at the farm to ensuring food processors who are in the business of converting the raw, raw food product, such as raw meat, into finished product that can be you know, sold in a supermarket. There's various forms of insurance that can be offered, you know, or risk protection that can be offered at different points along the chain. But if you look at step back and look at how that ecosystem is operating today, um, there is no universal availability of data across the entire ecosystem so that you know insurers can think about how best to create risk protection products. There is data at different in, uh, you know within different silos and those silos exist within individual companies along the supply chain. For them to be able to, um, pool the data in a common place, be able for the, enable the insurer to uh, get insights, uh, risk insights based on that pooled data. You know, we need a technology solution that is uh, trustable, so to speak, right? Um, so blockchain can form the basis for this sort of, uh, you know, zero trust architecture where uh, uh, you know, we can enable the efficient sharing of the data without having any participant within that ecosystem have access to insights or raw data that they are not entitled to, right? So um, that's another example of how technology can be used in order to address, you know, innovations within the insurance ecosystem. So, so I... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Now I was going to ask you, Anap, so what you are talking about is designing potentially a trusted core business model. And then you are doing that with some aspect of distributed technology to doing so? Yes, 
that's uh, the, that's very much uh, correct. I mean, uh, so that was just one example <laughs> of, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to touch up on infrastructure and automation, uh, intelligent workflows and, uh, uh, you know, enabling, uh, uh, you know, efficient data sharing in terms of achieving the right kind of risk insights that can then form the basis for developing new products, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and those are important because I, there is some terminology which I use in the industry, which I think would be helpful as well to understand the power of the terminology and how that plays within that value chain and the ecosystem you mentioned. One of them is, you know, using cloud to actually take away the technological debt that a lot of insurance companies have. And I think it's very important to touch upon that, that and how it's done. The other thing we already talked about AI is how do we integrate the human in the loop? when we start designing the businesses of the future? Yeah. Um, so let, let me touch upon the cloud uh, cloud question first, uh, right? Um, I, certainly, uh, you know, take, uh, you know, we, we don't want to be introducing new technology and buying new technology debt at the same time, <laughs> right? So taking away technology debt uh, uh, really means um, addressing, you know, age-old design decisions that have been made, uh, that have made for, uh, you know, inflexible architectures, uh, you know, that are resistant to change. I mean, I'll give you a simple example. You know, I was talking to an insurer about uh, maybe three years ago uh, that was looking to redesign their, uh, uh, you know, this, this is a life insurer that is based out in the Far East. Uh, and they create, uh, you know, all, all manners of life and investment products, you know, life insurance products that are coupled with insurance, uh, you know, annuities or, uh, um, uh, you know, investment, investment related products, right? For them to make a single change and they're operating on a 30 year old product management system. Um, so for them to make a single change in their business product, Right uh, in the terms and conditions associated with the business product, and to propagate the change via their IT infrastructure, uh, used to take them nine months. Wow. Uh, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Okay. Uh, uh, that, that is typical for uh, you know. That's the uh, the implication of technology debt. Uh, the business implication of technology debt is really that inflexibility in being able to tune or tailor your product to meet the market needs, right? So the way cloud helps you do this is by taking a fresh look at your core application architecture, being able to take a fresh look, one at the infrastructure level certainly immediately buys you the flexibility to increase or decrease the capacity that compute capacity that you have but that's only one one part of the equation the second part of the equation is to take a core say a fresh look at your application architecture and try to figure out if we can, can be efficiently componentized such that each of the components can then independently scale you know up or down for example in the case of this particular insurer all we need to do is to look at the product management component of the business 
and see what it takes in order to uh, you know efficiently uh, roll out changes and enable that component to grow or shrink with the needs of the business so to speak right so that's how cloud enables you know the it's so it's uh, the componentization aspect uh, you know the containerization is the key uh, uh, you know uh, components typically manifest themselves in uh, you know as containers and you know as containers are deployed on the infrastructure containers can be brought up or brought down uh, and we can make local changes to those components mm. right so that that's uh, um, uh, you know at the application level so that's how we address the cloud um, uh, uh, you know addressing technology that uh, the second point that you talked about the human in the loop I mean, I don't see AI, uh, you know, as ever being, uh, uh, you know, replacing humans, right? Um, uh, in, I think AI has specific applications, specific AI algorithms have specific applications to be able to automate certain aspects of processes. But the best use for AI is you know, when there is a complex challenge where the human needs to make a decision and only has, uh, you know, we tend to rely on the human's intuition or years of knowledge in order to make the decision, right? Uh, so um, AI can only, um, uh, you know, augment the human in terms of, uh, 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 you know, enabling the decision making, so to speak. Uh, so I don't see AI as being a complete replacement uh, to achieve 100% automation within all given processes. In certain processes, I believe that it can, but in a majority of the processes, uh, AI is going to play a key role in providing decision alternatives to the human so that you know humans can then ultimately make the complex decision that is required in order to service the needs of the customer the best. That's um, fascinating because at the same time as you were uh, talking about artificial intelligence and cloud, I was remembering some of the question and being asked by insurers around, you, you touch upon some of those issues around intelligent claim, but also around algorithmic underwriting. So I was going to ask you, when you mm -hmm. actually look at unique innovation coming into the market, you know, how do we start driving predictive maintenance industrial insurance, for instance? You know, do you have case study and example as we where we can actually see real great achievements today using technology? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, it's actually interesting you bring up predictive maintenance because I, I actually spent 15 years in IBM's industrial sector working with uh, firms in automotive, aerospace, and defense. Um, uh, you know, before I uh, started my career here in insurance, right? Uh, so during my work in aerospace and defense. Uh, you know, A and D is actually one of those industries that has taken huge advantage of predictive maintenance capabilities. In fact, I mean, I worked on what we call as an aircraft health management system way back in the early 2010s, uh, well before you know data science was even a term. Um, 
if you look at uh, uh, that's that's one example of an industry that is that you uses data science day in and day out yes. in order to optimize you know the operation of the engines the operation of the different systems on the aircraft etc now if you take that and translate you know that into some of the work that i've been doing here in insurance especially if you look at the commercial space yes. right um uh, uh you know commercial buildings for example uh have heavy use of industrial machinery things like uh, hvac systems right mm-hmm. um and when these huge systems uh break down it can result in a significant impact to the operation of the building right so when insurers insure these systems uh, complex electromechanical systems uh there is huge incentive for the insurer to be able to predict when these systems can fail and uh, recommend preventive action you know that can be taken in order to prevent the you know for example it might mean replacing a given part in a hvac system right uh so we i've worked for example in the uh, in within the last 3 years uh with the uh, actually two different insurers that were looking at this particular problem uh so commercial buildings and maintenance of large scale electromechanical systems that form the nervous system behind these commercial buildings i think is a is a, uh uh is one one good example of where you know i mean you can have a huge impact with the uh, uh you know instrumented iot systems uh you know and uh, the related insurance uh, uh that goes with it the second area that i think i see huge potential is in uh, uh you know in even in personal lines uh you know if you look at the average home here within the united states let's take united states as an example most homes are built out of wood right mm-hmm. and uh if you look at the sources of claims within homes uh by and large this uh, i think either the uh biggest or the second largest uh, source of loss uh, tends to be water leaks uh, or at least the, from a payout perspective yeah, you know the average the payout associated with the uh, water leak in a uh, home tends to be yeah. in the neighborhood of 7 to 8000 right which is a huge amount so outfitting homes for example with water leak sensors and not only being able to raise alerts but also you know looking at equipment that can take preventive action you know such as uh, you know uh, electronically operated actuators that can shut off the wa- uh, you know water to a, uh, you know to a home you know if a true threat is detected Uh, looking at humidity rising humidity levels or humidity humidity trends within a home uh you know are some other examples of how you know one can look at prevention even before a claim is filed right mm-hmm. and i think this this sort of non premium value added services that you know look at risk prevention i think the use of those is going to go uh yeah you know increase as you know sensors and uh, you know technologies like 5g and edge computing become 
more and more prevalent. I'll give you another uh, interesting example, and this is very real, right? Uh, I don't know if you remember about three years ago or two years ago, Uber was driving, uh, was testing self-driving cars yeah. in the state of Arizona. And there was an accident where the yeah. uh, driver basically went to sleep <laughs> yeah. uh, or was distracted. And it resulted actually in a human being killed as uh, she was crossing the road. Um, uh, the interesting part about that is the car was well instrumented. However, the time that it took for the signal to travel back from the car back to the data center and for the action to come back, you know, in order to stop the car was not sufficient, right? I mean, we were fighting the speed of light. Now, with the advances in edge computing, that signal doesn't have to travel all the way back to a data center, you know, that perhaps sits in Uber's headquarters or somewhere somewhere else, right? It can be really localized down to the zip code or even a very close, you know, geographical distance such that, you know, local decisions can be taken much, much faster, you know, so you're no longer fighting necessarily the speed of light. Uh, I think that's the power that edge computing brings, right? So edge computing is basically this ability to take the compute and move it as close to where the data is. The edge can be right directly on the car or it can be in a mesh of cars that you know are traveling within a given zip code or it can be a local data center that is attached to a cell tower that is sitting you know in the proximity of where the particular car is, right? So these are the sorts of interesting technology evolutions, I think, that will enable, you know, much more fine-grained or a differentiated capture of risk, uh, you know, that has huge implications for how, what, you know, products that insurers can offer or services that insurers can offer, both in terms of prevention, but also in terms of new products. Yeah, interesting. So when you look at all those changes, technological changes and all those great things coming to market, what does it mean from a talent and culture? It means that you have a completely new set of people going to get the job done. Yeah, uh, that, that is true. But uh, what I'm increasingly finding is that financial services firms are really starting to think of themselves or they have been thinking of at least a few of the leading edge ones have been thinking of themselves as being software providers first that also you know serve the needs of their customers right so i think that's the sort of mindset shift that needs to happen um, you know i always tell people that I, I i came you know i talked to you about how i came back my heritage in the industrial sector so i went from an industry that used to make widgets to one, you know, in the financial services world where the products are no longer real, right? Meaning you cannot touch or feel an insurance product. <laughs> However, you go, you know, those products live on a computer mm -hmm. and they serve a uh, given uh, need, right? So insurers really need to think about themselves as being software providers. And I think, you know, we are already familiar with a lot of the roles. I think, you know, cloud architect, data scientist, et cetera. I think these have become, you know, commonplace within the industry. And I think every insurer that I visit has cloud architects, they have data scientists, et cetera. There's also going to be a completely new set of roles, you know, keeping the infrastructure running, 
you know, 24 by seven, uh, you know, roles like site reliability engineer that ensure that, you know, the sort of infrastructure can be maintained. It runs without issues. Think about what sort of automation can be introduced, what sort of AI can be introduced in order to run the automation, you know, infrastructure, uh, you know, in an, um, uh, you know, keep it running efficiently. Uh, data engineering, right? Yeah. I mean, I talked about the different silos of data. Uh, how do you efficiently bring together those silos of data and serve the needs of the data scientists that you have on the staff? Mm. Uh, you know, in a, using new technologies like data fabric, yes. right, which allow data to stay wherever it is, but uh, you know, bring the capability to access it on demand and provide the right sort of data sets to the data scientists at the right place at the right time, right? So that they can efficiently build the right models to serve the needs of their customer. Those are the sorts of roles, I think, that are going to be scarce in the near term, but uh, ones that insurers should be paying attention to. Right? So Anap, what would be your last world? So Anap, what would be the last words you would like to leave with our audience and listener tonight? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, Sabine, I'd like to thank you and uh, the audience uh, here, uh, you know, for providing me the opportunity to put my views together here. Um, I think uh, what, the, what I'd like to leave the audience with is, uh, you know, we have, uh, IBM has been working with insurers to help them innovate uh, you know, uh, from a digital core layer, from a data foundation layer, uh, uh, you know, for a long time. And uh, we have a whole slew of interesting ideas, innovative ideas and methodologies, you know, things like the IBM Garage, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, enabling insurers to become, uh, you know, cloud native, um, uh, enabling them to adopt, uh, you know, uh, agile development cultures, mm. uh, uh, you know, to become leading edge, to help them build out ecosystems, yes. uh, you know, uh, both, uh, you know, data ecosystems as well as, uh, uh, you know, service ecosystems by partnering, you know, um, in order to enable the sort of new product innovation, uh, new thinking, et cetera. So I'd really like to leave them with an invitation to uh, have a second conversation with me or uh, any of my colleagues. Anna, thank you so much for the insight. I was actually completely mesmerized with what I've learned today. So thank you for your time. Well, thank you, Sabine. So thank you. Good night. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.